Like I said, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. I'm not going to try to keep you very long, but this is a, a wonderful story. Of course, when you get into the Old Testament, it can get awfully complicated. And uh, this is a story about dealing with life. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we meet up with uh, Elijah. We had talked a little bit in the previous weeks about a king Ahab. What I didn't mention to you, okay, was that King Ahab was married to somebody by the name of Jezebel. Jezebel. Jezebel was officially really in charge. The man's supposed to be in charge. The king is supposed to be in charge in this situation. But his wife was very influential. She was an evil person. And she was in charge. So in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 19, it says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Basically, Elijah thought that after all that had transpired in the previous chapters, and I'll give you a summary in just a moment, that Ahab would be pretty happy, that Ahab would be in charge, and he was following Ahab's expectations. But no, Jezebel had other plans. She was running the roost. And she threatened to kill Elijah. And just like that, Elijah got discouraged. Elijah got depressed. Elijah got, in this case, even suicidal. Yet 24 hours prior, he had just witnessed one of the greatest miracles God had ever done. It happens that fast. The slippery slope of discouragement. The slippery slope of the battlefield of the mind. The slippery slope of going from this state of happiness to very quickly sliding into, in his case, hopelessness. Chapter 18, what we saw, do you remember the story when all the prophets of Baal, the evil ones, those who are not of God, Elijah said, let's get some bulls and we'll sacrifice them. You call upon your gods and I'll call upon my God. So they called upon their gods and the fires wouldn't light. And then Elijah even made fun of them and said, perhaps your God is going to the bathroom. I'm not kidding. He says, perhaps your God is relieving himself. Perhaps your God is busy. So then when it became Elijah's Turn to put the bull on the, on the altar. He said, hey, listen, I want you to throw some water on it. In fact, they did that three times. In fact, they filled the whole trench with water. It was completely soaked. And then all of a sudden, it just boom, erupted in flames. And all of the bull was consumed. And the pleasing aroma to God. And then later on, all of the prophets that were the evil ones were killed by Elijah and his men. What an amazing act. What a horrible act, right? But it was an amazing act. 
So when Ahab got home, he told his wife everything that happened. So Jezebel basically said, that's fine. Uh, if not by this time tomorrow, he, she said, I I'm going to have Elijah's head. I want him dead. That was enough for Elijah to get into this whirlwind of concern. I wrote down a couple of things here. I want you to, you won't be able to see it, but they are important. Find my notes. There they are. There's something that we deal with, every one of us. We all have a spiritual side. We all have a soul. And we all have a physical side. And sometimes when we're physically struggling with something, our soul also struggles with something. When I say soul, I mean emotions. Think of it that way. So I'm physically exhausted. Therefore, I feel or my soul feels exhausted. Or doesn't feel like worshiping and it affects my spirit. Or sometimes perhaps I'm in a bad place with God. I've done something. I feel guilty because now my emotions are impacted and I feel bad. I physically, I feel bad. Or, you know, you, you find yourself in the morning, you wake up and I just physically can't get out of bed. Therefore, I don't want to pray. Therefore, my spirit suffers and my, my emotions suffer. And you end up in this terrible cycle. This terrible cycle of depression, which can lead to despair which can lead to hopelessness. And in the case of Elijah, he even said, I don't even want to be here anymore. Hopefully none of us are in that spot. But what we learn from this story is, fan, is, is, is amazing in that we get into some of the depths of God's intuition and his mind like we don't see sometimes in the, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we're told to love everybody and put your faith and trust in Jesus, and that is absolutely true. Easy, to, easy enough to preach on, but it's so, it's, it's so refreshing to go to the Old Testament and see how the people actually experience these things because you and I are not just sitting in church every Sunday. We're actually experiencing the realities of life, the ups and the downs. The ups and the downs. And in this case here with Elijah, the point is he went from being really high and, and walking with God in a matter of 24 hours, bam, he's down here. Going, what is wrong? So the first thing I want you to understand, Christian, is that Christians can have spiritual crises. Christians can have struggles of the soul. Christians cannot always feel so good sometimes. And just because you're in that state doesn't mean that somehow God is not with you. It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It doesn't mean that you're not right with God. Elijah was absolutely right with God. And all of a sudden he finds himself literally, listen, this is what he says. We'll continue reading. Elijah was afraid. I'm in verse 3. He fled for his life. He went to Beersheba in a town in Judah and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness. Listen, he was alone. Traveling all day. Finally, he sat down under a solitary broom tree or a juniper tree, your translation may say. And he prayed that he might die. What? Come on. You just witnessed a miracle. Like, what? Why? Because somebody threatens your life? Listen. 
What is a Jezebel? That is anything that comes into your life and threatens your stability or your peace of mind, whether it be emotionally, spiritually, or physically a threat. That's a Jezebel. We've heard that before, right? It doesn't necessarily refer to a woman or a man, but it refers to a situation or an outcome. So whatever you're encountering, maybe your boss is going to fire you unjustly. That has suddenly become your Jezebel. It's upset your state of mind. Your security has been interrupted and you're fearful. That's a Jezebel. If anybody does something and accuses you of something and it's not true, that becomes your Jezebel. In this case, his Jezebel was literally Jezebel and the, it, was the, it was the threat of death because she had the power to do so. So he fled, he went out in the wilderness and the first mistake he made was he did it on his own. When you are in a state of crisis, when you are depressed, when you are discouraged, when you are distraught and you are talking to yourself, you're going to get more discouraged and more distraught and more desperate because you're talking to yourself. The, the source of the information is not correct. Have you ever been in that cycle? You try to talk yourself out of something, but all you're, trying, all you're really doing is making yourself feel worse. You're going to the wrong source. The first thing that Elijah did was he went to the wilderness by himself. Men... How many times, and I am guilty of it, when I am in a Jezebel situation, whatever it may be that's bothering me, I want to be by myself. I'll go for a drive. I'll isolate myself. It's exactly what Elijah did. He isolated himself. But know that God was with him, and God is with you. And you're not the only one going through whatever you think you're going through. And we see this in here. We see in here that Elijah is not just a victim, a true victim, but he has a victim mentality. He has a victim mentality. That's lesson number two. Some of us are victims, rightly so, and I, hope, and, I, and I hope that it's worked out for you, and I don't mean to speak lightly of that, but some of us have adopted, have adopted a victim mentality. In other words, I am responding to a situation because it's your fault or some other person's responsible. And that's the world in which we live today. Nobody wants to take responsibility for themselves. Rather than looking at the situation, listen to me. Rather than looking at the situation, look at the revelation. Don't judge your circumstances by the situation, but have a revelation. Know that God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. But if you continue to talk to yourself, Satan loves that. Satan loves for you to have the secret sermon or the quiet sermon. And that sermon every morning starts with the word, not enough. You get up in the morning and you go, oh, I didn't sleep. I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough. I got more bills at the end of the month than I got money because I don't make enough money. I didn't get enough. The, the quiet sermon that Satan speaks to us every single day is not enough. You don't have enough. You're not good enough. You don't look good enough. You don't present well enough. There's always something, and if that is the person you're trying to use to lift you up, you're forever going to fail. 
Because Satan is Satan. And you can say all day long, well, I'm this way because Satan's that way and the world is evil. i got news for you. Satan ain't changing. The world isn't changing. That is a victim mentality. You've got to change. You've got to take responsibility for your thought life, your emotions, and your spiritual walk with God. But God offers us help in three different ways in this story. He gives us an angel. In Hebrews 1 verse 14 tells us every one of us has a ministering spirit, an angel. What does an angel do? An angel is to do the supernatural thing for you through God. All of us have an angel. You can't see him, but you got one. And his role is to administer you in a supernatural way God's presence in your life. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Check it out. Ministering spirits, every single one of us. What does God do here? I'm going to go on down to verse 5. After Elijah says, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and he slept under the juniper tree or the broom tree. And as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And listen to what God did. First thing he did, he addressed the physical. You remember the three circles? Physical, the soul, and spiritual. Don't disregard the physical needs of people. It doesn't do any good when somebody's hungry or hangry. You ever been so hungry you get angry? Your mood changes. The, the, the chemicals in your brain change. And you literally are a different person. Julie and I experience that all the time. We joke about it all the time. So I'm hangry right now. I need some protein. Right? We talk about that all the time. I'm shaking. I, my blood sugar is getting low. Don't ignore the physical aspect. God didn't. The first thing he did was he met the physical needs. Elijah was hungry. And when you're hungry, it affects your way you feel, your soul. And when your soul is affected, it affects you spiritually. Do you hear what I'm saying, congregation? Don't ignore the physical. You've got to take care of each other. That's a big part of the reason the church even exists. Because we come together to take care of each other's needs. Physically, Spiritually and emotionally. We're not perfect. But that's the big reason for the church. Yeah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Absolutely. But you're really missing out. You're missing out on the opportunity to be taken care of physically, spiritually, emotionally. God doesn't ignore the physical. So he sent an angel. He sent an angel. So he got up and he drank. And listen to this. But the Lord said to him, after Elijah had eaten, he says to him, as he's laying under the fig tree, under the juniper tree, God says to Elijah, What are you doing here? Now, come on. Listen, you know God is sovereign. You don't catch God by surprise. God knows why Elijah's there. 
Why did he ask Elijah the question? So Elijah could hear himself say why he was there. What God is trying to do, listen, what God is trying to do is to get Elijah to speak directly to him. To try to get Elijah from stop talking to himself in that endless cycle of sin, that endless cycle of dejection, that endless cycle of discouragement. He says, I want you to bring your problem to me. Elijah, why are you here? And actually, I'm going to skip over all these, but he asked him two different times, Elijah, why are you here? Matter of fact, he feeds him and he has strength for 40 days and 40 nights. And Elijah goes to a cave to hide. And again, while he's up in the cave, God feeds him. And he says to Elijah again, why are you here? He's trying to get Elijah to talk to him. When you have a problem, when you are discouraged, when you are distraught, when you're depressed, when you're all of those things, the hardest thing to do is to go to the mountain where God is, which is where Elijah went. And it took him a long trek and a long journey to get there. But you got to go there. God says, you need to come to me. You need to come to me and tell me your problems. Don't talk about it amongst your friends. Don't talk about it amongst yourself. He said, because then you're only going to get more discouraged. You're only going to continue to talk yourself out of it. You ever heard people say you can literally make yourself sick? Absolutely you can. You want to be sick, you can be sick. I remember a guy I used to work with years ago. He was so, such a hypochondriac. He was such a nervous person that if you said to him, Hey, Don, you don't look well today. Really? And then we get four or five other people go, Don, you don't look so well. And every time before the end of the day, he would go, home sick. You can believe what you want to believe. So, to wrap this up, not wrap this up, but to continue, God says, why are you here, Elijah? And here's what Elijah says. Elijah says in verse 10, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. It's a pity party Elijah's having. Pity. He is a, has a victim mentality. In this story as we continue, you're going to find out God shows him that he's got a victim mentality. Because a second time, that was in verse 10, back down in Verse 14 is the exact same. If you take verse 10 and verse 14, put them on top of each other and say the exact same thing. He says, I've zealously served you. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Victim mentality. God shows him. He says, listen, on down here, there are 7,000 people in the city that are just like you. I bet you didn't know that. Whatever you are going through feels like, in some cases, you're the only one. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not the only one. And some Christians live that all high, mighty life, right? And they've done a disservice to the church sometimes. I am better. I give more money. I sing better. I preach better. I go to church regularly. I do all these things. I'm the only one. No, you're not. No, you're not. There's a lot of people across the world that go to church regularly, that pray regularly, that tithe regularly, that do all these things, and bad stuff still happens to them. You're not the only one. 
Quit having a pity party. Quit having a victim mentality. Change your attitude. Just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean it's because you're a bad person. It doesn't mean it's because God's not there. It doesn't mean any of that. It's just we live, listen, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And if you're waiting for the world to change, you're going to be waiting a long time. You've got to change. You and I have to change. If you want to live a happy, prosperous life, I know that's not the prosperity gospel by any stretch. You want to live a happy, content life, then you've got to make that choice. You gotta make that choice. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a foul mood, but I turn on a particular song. It's not necessarily a Christian song, but it gets me going. I feel good now because the emotions react, and then all of a sudden, physically, I feel good. Then all of a sudden, I find myself praying. Then all of a sudden, I feel physically good. Then all of a sudden, I feel I feel good, and then I look good, and I, I spiritually good. It's just a cycle. God says, "Start with me." When you're down and out, start with me. Make your trip come to me. I know it's the last place you want to go. People say, oh, I've sinned. God doesn't want to be near me. God has no idea how bad a person I am. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And when you commit that, whatever that egregious sin is, God says, come to me. Because if you're going to talk to yourself about it, you're going to have a bad discussion. It's going to be a bad day. You're going to make it sound much worse than what it is, and you're going to feel bad about it. Because you're going to talk yourself into just exactly how bad you are. And Satan loves to give you that sermon. He loves to give you that silent sermon. You're not good enough. You're not whatever. So in this story, Elijah is going through the pity party. God points out, listen, Elijah, you're not the only one going through this. Get over yourself. And he asks him again, he says, why are you here? And then God shows him himself in the form of fire and wind and the elements. And Elijah standing at the cave and finally goes, oh, God is glorified in his creation. God speaks to us all the time. Because originally, Elijah was like, all these things happened. I felt the wind, I felt the heat, I saw the rain, the storm, all this stuff, but I didn't, I didn't hear God. And then, then, he heard, then he heard something, he goes, oh. God is real. You see, even when we can have fantastic miracles happen just 24 hours earlier, we quickly talk ourselves out of it as coincidence. Just happen to happen. No. No, God is all around you. So God shows himself to him. And lastly, God not only sent him an angel, God sent himself, and God sent him a person. Elisha. There's Elijah. There's Elisha. Went into the city and met Elisha. God sent him a friend to help lift him up. Someone he could talk to. Someone's shoulder he could cry on. Someone to make him feel better about his relationship with God. Sometimes, men and women, you need to find a good Christian friend. That's not afraid to tell you the truth. I had a Christian friend one time. He would say, quit having a pity party. Maybe he mad in the heart. Maybe And he would always take the high road, right? I finally learned. There's a lot of men like him. Take the high road. You never know when Jezebel might walk up to you. 
be prepared for your answer before it happens. Men, know what you're going to say if you're ever confronted with those issues. Women, know what you're going to say before it happens. Settle in your mind now I'm following God. I am a man of God, I am a woman of God, and I am following God. And I'm not going to blame others for my pity. I'm not going to blame others for my depression. I'm going to take responsibility for it. My discouragement, I'm going to go to God. Those are real things. We all struggle with those things. I have. I've told you that before. Go to the high hill. Talk to God. Listen to what he has to say. Believe upon him. Believe in his name. Believe in his son, Jesus. He will not disappoint you. He will not leave you. He will always be there for you. He will give you peace beyond all understanding, contentment, joy, happiness, not because of your situation, but because of the revelation, the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he's there waiting for you right now to come to him. He loves you that much. There is no sin too great that God doesn't cover with the blood of Jesus. All right? You're not the only one that's committed that sin. You're not the only one that's... Is said those words. You're not the only one who's had those awful thoughts. Jesus died for those too. And he loves you. Listen to what God says about you, okay? Don't listen to the devil. You are good enough. You are loved enough. And what Jesus did was enough. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, when we find ourselves down and out, maybe a little distraught, maybe a little discouraged, Lord, help us to remember the physical part, the emotional part, most importantly, the spiritual part, Lord. Help us to come to you, and you'll provide all of those needs, our food, our health. You'll bring friends our way, a church, and stability. Lord, thank you for giving us this example today.